Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. How many of you realize this morning that every great event, wedding, engagement, or project, or trip, the success of those things depends on how well you prepare for them. If you don't prepare for a wedding, it's a disaster. If you go away on a trip and you don't prepare, you could find you don't have underwear, you don't have a toothbrush, and you can find yourself stranded. I've been on a trip and I didn't have pajamas because I generally am in a hurry when I'm packing. But preparation is extremely important for a successful life. In fact, I would say to you this morning that what I'm gonna speak to you about is as important as the theme of our church was at one time, of which I wrote a book, finding a way to win. And it's simply this, you are either preparing or repairing. I want you to think about that across the campuses this morning. Either you're busy at this moment in your life repairing something in your life, your finances, your marriage, your relationships, at work there's disaster, your health is broken down, you're either repairing, and chances are you're repairing because you didn't prepare. And every one of us, on these campuses is either living in prepare mode or repair mode, there's nothing else. Take a while to think about that this morning. Are you with me? Because if you are repairing all the time, means you're not preparing enough. People who prepare generally don't have to repair. How many of you know a lot of people don't save money, they just spend all they have. And when you don't save, you're not preparing for inevitable circumstances that will arise that, that will cause disaster in your life. In fact, there are always inevitable emergencies. How many of you know that? So you have to be prepared. It's like driving a car without a spare wheel. You need to be prepared. And many people don't have insurance. Oh, I can't afford insurance. Well, then you can't afford to drive a car. Because you can, you can lose your car, but if you drive into an expensive car, you'll be paying for the rest of your life. When I was a teenager, I drove a Volkswagen Combi, and I was looking at a yield sign to see if there was traffic coming, and the guy in front of me stopped to take something out of his cubbyhole, and I banged into the back of it. I paid it off for two years, because I wasn't insured. I quickly learned at a young age, you're either preparing or repairing. Even the Rolling Stones guitarist, who's now a bit on in here, is Keith Richards, he insured his middle finger, which I won't show you, for $1.5 million, 21 million rand he's insured his finger for, because he knows that he better be preparing or he'll spend his life repairing, it'll be the end of his career. Are you with me? So it's very important that we prepare. You can't go to war without preparing. A war is not one or lost on the battlefield, it's one in the preparation. Court cases are not one or lost on personality. <laughs> Watch me. I'll say, hey judge, no, 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 they are one on preparing. Why do you think O.J. Simpson won his court case when the whole world thought he'd be guilty? It's because he had a guy called Johnny Cochran who was his lawyer. And this is what Johnny Cochran once said. He said, I'm a big believer in the fact that life is about preparation, preparation, preparation. Are you getting the, are you getting the point this morning? I wanna to speak to you this morning on the power of preparation. The power of preparation. There is power in preparation. It is not a nuisance. It is a necessity that carries tremendous power. 
And I want to give you seven things this morning that illustrate the power of preparation that you can apply in your life. Number one. The first thing is this. The sacrifice of discipline of preparation yields huge results. The sacrifice and discipline of preparation yields huge results. When you are disciplined and when you prepare, there are huge results that come from it. And that's why so few people prepare because it takes discipline and sacrifice. Isn't that true? Every important thing in your life that you do, you need to prepare for. And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, wing it and then they say it's the Holy Spirit. There's a saying I came across, you can claim to be surprised once, after that you're unprepared. Isn't that the truth? And Henry Ford, who was very successful at business, said this, before everything else, getting ready is the secret to success. You see, the problem with preparation is, preparation normally takes much longer than the actual event you're preparing for. Think about musicians, our worship team. They don't just practice for 20 minutes before a service to sing for 20 minutes. They practice all week long. Then they practice before a service in order to just run a 20-minute set. Preparation takes much more time than the actual time that you actually perform. For me to speak to you this morning for 35, 40 minutes takes me 30 hours a week to prepare. Aren't you glad we prepared? I've been to churches where they go on for an hour and a quarter and, 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 and you can tell by the first half an hour he's looking for a topic, seeing where, where okay, now I struck it. Now I can teach for 40 minutes. No, you need to be prepared. People say, oh, you need to be led by the Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit leads me in my study. Holy Spirit doesn't just work up here. He works in my study. See, we've got a wrong concept of how God works. So we don't put in the discipline, we don't put in the planning, and we don't see the huge results that God has in our lives. I love what the uh, actor and screenwriter who makes movies in the States, Wentworth Miller said. He said, four months of preparation, 12 hours of shooting turned into about 30 seconds of screen time. You know, when Steven Spielberg made the great movie Saving Private Ryan, he got the cast together and he put them through a seven-week boot camp where they had to be trained, disciplined, where they were woken up early in the morning and, and, and the group of people that were gonna be part of, of the second Ranger Battalion, all the actors, they went through a special training session. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Sizemore, Edward Burns, Jeremy Davies, Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper, Adam Goldberg, G Giovanni Subisi, a whole lot of others, they went on this training camp and they found a captain who was an expert in the military, a seasoned military advisor, Captain Dale Dye, he took them and he pushed them to the limits. Some of them said that after training they used to vomit and some of them came near to nervous breakdowns. But that movie was a huge success. One of the actors who was in the movie, Edward Burns, he, he said that that, that seven-day uh, seven camp was, was, was the worst experience of his life. He said this, we'd get there, we'd set up our tents, it would start raining, and it doesn't stop raining for seven days. It's minus one degrees at night, you're in a soaking wet tent, in a soaking wet uniform, with a soaking wet blan blanket wrapped around you. But that movie was a great success. You see, if so much effort goes into preparing for a movie, so much discipline and planning, what about your life? You see, if you prepare, it saves you a lot of heartache and headache later on. You can either play up front, pay up front and play later, 
or you can play up front, you will pay later because you're either preparing or repairing. John Maxwell said it like this. He said, I found that every minute spent in preparation saves 10 in execution. The second thing about the proud preparation this morning is Jesus endorsed natural and spiritual preparation. See, a lot of people think that the Spirit of God works with spontaneity only. No, no, Jesus endorsed both natural and spiritual preparation, and I think we need to imitate him. I meet lots of people who tell me that you shouldn't plan or prepare. Those people usually tell me they're artistic or creative. If they're not artistic or creative, they tell me they're led by the Spirit. But I find the Spirit leads in order and preparation and planning. Have you noticed that? And no one said amen. Jesus understood it and he endorsed it. Let's look at a few passages here. Quickly with me. Luke 22. It says, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. It's just a simple meal. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house. The teacher asks, where's the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. Are you getting the point? Wait, it's not over. So they left and found things just as Jesus had told him. So they prepared the Passover. Jesus knew for the plan and timing and purpose of God to be fulfilled, preparation was needed. You can't wing it if you want God's plans to be fulfilled in your life. You have to prepare. Luke chapter 22, again, Jesus prepares for his arrest. I want you to notice how he prepares his disciples. Luke 22, it says, and Jesus asked them, when I sent you out without purse, bag, or saddles, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Why, Jesus? Well, here we go. It is written. Sorry, it is written. <laughs> Find my place. And it is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. Can you see what was spoken of needed to be planned out? God's got great plans and purposes for you that he can only fulfill if you plan and if you prepare. But if you wing it, leaving it to him, he says, no, no, I've got a plan and purpose. You need to prepare. But wait, there's one more parable and we'll focus on this and I'll unpack it a little bit and we'll continue. All good? So the parable is well known if you're a Christian. If not, it'd be the first time you're hearing it. But it's the parable of the 10 virgins. 10 virgins. You know, in those days, virgin was a good thing. Today, it means inexperienced nerd. But in the day of Jesus, it was a good thing. And we'll read from Matthew chapter 25 about these 10 virgins. It says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom, speaking of Jesus. And this is, this is a parable on spiritual preparation. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them, unprepared. 
The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. That's what Christians do. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Now, take a moment in Kalami and in Santon, look at your neighbor and say, all the virgins. Because there were 10 of them and they all did certain things. All the virgins were there. All the virgins were waiting. All the virgins expected the bridegroom. All the virgins were virgins. And all the church's virgins should be virgins. Moving right along. Now the scripture says here that the cry rang out. Uh, Then the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Now, can we pause here? A lot of people who spend their lives not preparing want to come to you for repairing. There comes a time when you need to say, no, I'm tired of your lack of preparing Causing me who prepares to now live in repairing. Oh, but that's the Christian thing. No, you draw a line. Christians need to learn how to prepare so they don't lean on others for repair. It's not God's plan. We help those who really need help. Some of you want to clap, but you're not sure. Now stay with me here because we're going to see a lot about Rivers Church. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Oh my God. Can you see people arrive at the gate at our church? And 15 minutes after the service, it shut. You see, some of us who are sitting still here were preparing. But those who are trying to come into the gate and it's locked, they are trying to repair. You've got to prepare, then you don't have to repair. Aren't you glad this morning people aren't walking around all the time in the service? Only absolutely necessary going to the Lua. They've been called out. But most of the people are engaged because they prepared their minds. They prepared with their time. I encourage you to prepare early. We come to the services very early. Sometimes there's nothing for us to do, but we're prepared because anything can happen. It'd be a major accident. We held up. Church is too important. So you've got to prepare. Now, I told you I'd tell you about Rivers Church. Now it says, later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. No relationship with you. Watch, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You see, people often say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Some had the Holy Spirit and some didn't. No, no, no. He wouldn't have said to them, I don't know you. He would have said, you're empty. He would have said, your light's gone out. No, he's talking about your relationship. You can't take it easy and wing it because you never know when Jesus might come back. You've got to keep on fire. You've got to be prepared. You've got to repent and walk with Jesus because he comes back and says, I don't know you. Oh, I I wasn't prepared for your coming, Lord. He says, I can come at any time. You know not. Now, here's an interesting thing. George Washington Carver, amazing man, scientist, inventor, farmer, 
just, just a brilliant man. They, they called him the Black Leonardo of his day. He said this. He said, there's no shortcut to achievement. Life requires thorough preparation. Watch this. Veneer isn't worth anything. You see, you can look like a virgin, but you're not a virgin. Because they all were dressed, they all looked similar, they were all waiting, they were all expectant, but there was one massive difference between the wise and the foolish, personal preparation. And it's no good being a Christian that looks holy, looks righteous, pretends, but you're far from God because you're unprepared. You're not living in him. See, Jesus endorsed this, and so we need to respect it. And personal preparation is extremely important. A lot of people miss opportunity, like these virgins, because they're not prepared. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He, he spent 30 years preparing to be president. He said, I will prepare, and someday my chance will come. Jesus endorsed spiritual and natural preparation. It produces huge results if you sacrifice. Number three, the third thing is this, incredible achievement is preceded by ordinary preparation. People who achieve incredible things often have spent a lot of time in ordinary preparation. Do you remember in John's gospel when the water was turned into wine? It wasn't just a Kazam miracle. Jesus told him to fill six large stone water pots, 100 liters each. They filled them to the brim with water, then it was turned into wine. Ordinary preparation leads to extraordinary results. And some of us want extraordinary results, but we're not putting in the preparation. Isn't that true? Your gifting and your talent and your personality are not enough. You need to prepare. How many of you have seen people who audition for idols? And they've sung in the bathroom. And they then come and the judges are embarrassed and they laugh and they look at each other. And then they say, look, we think you, you know, we don't think you, <laughs> sorry, but you know, and then the person is so full of personality, well, I don't care what you say, one day you'll see, I'll have a record contract and I'll be famous. Well, <laughs> you see, what they don't know is you don't wing it because you sang in the bathroom. In fact, if you even get accepted onto idols, that's the beginning of your preparation. Ask Lloyd. They take you and they train you. You've got to Shape your mouth a certain way and you, you've got to, ho, oh, 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 not, no, 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 not like, oh, oh. It's like, I want to be famous, man. Can we stop this? No, no, no. You'll learn how to enlarge your chest, fill your lungs, sing from your diaphragm, not from your throat. But we want to be up there at the top, but be disappointed when we're not acknowledged because we need preparation. Let me remind you, incredible achievement is preceded by ordinary Preparation. Now, one of the greatest actors of our time, Will Smith, he said this. He said, I've always considered myself to be just average talent. And what I have is a ridiculous, insane obsessiveness for practice and preparation. You see, we see great movies and we think, oh, he just went up there. Okay, switch your camera on. <laughs> Do you know how many times I sometimes have to introduce life by design? You know, you say, hi, welcome to Life by Design. Often you go, hi, and um, what was I saying? You have to rehearse, you have to practice. Natalie Portman had to train and practice for the movie Black Swan. It's a version of Swan Lake with a white swan and a black swan. She'd never done ballet except at school. 
wasn't proficient in it, but had to go on intensive training program. To prepare for the film, she had to train eight hours a day, six days a week for almost an entire year. And to get thin enough, she was already thin, to get thin enough, she had to go on a diet of almonds and carrots. You see, we want the Academy Award, but we don't want the almonds and the carrots. She trained for the movie. She had to shrink down. She said there were some nights that I literally thought I was gonna die. But her hard work and her acting paid off and she won the Academy Award in 2011 for Best Actress and the movie was a success and made millions of dollars. Extraordinary achievement always comes from ordinary preparation. Are you with me? Dr. Robert Schuller said spectacular achievement is always preceded by unspectacular preparation. It's that dull, boring stuff that we do that leads to great success. Aren't you glad this morning that I'm prepared? Now I want to tell you a story about what's his name. Um, I've forgotten it, eh? What's his name? What's her name? That, 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 that actor, man, that actor that acted in... Who's that girl that was in Black Swan, that, that, um, that thin chick, that... Say, Kogi, help me. See me what? Anyway, church. Can you see what it looks like? I reckon that's okay for the lounge, but not if you want to live a significant life and do significant things and have people take you seriously. Number four, the fourth thing here about the power of preparation. I think this is helping some people. Look at your neighbor, say amen or ouch. As we continue in Kailami, point number four. Church attendance is life preparation, not an event. The more you treat church as an event, the more you will be infrequent and the more you will miss what God's trying to do. It must be a time where we experience God's presence. It must be time when we connect. It is in a sense an event, but it's not to give you a feeling. I am here to prepare you on, on how to live from Monday to Saturday. And you'll see pastors around the world are trying to build churches where Sunday is the thing. You have to keep cooking up ideas, manufacture miracles. Otherwise, the event is a failure. <laughs> Don't know why you're laughing, but you're clearly laughing about something. You're getting the point. You see, if you try and create the, if this is built around me and everything that happens in this room, we better make sure we, with the circus runs well. And not just on Vision Weekend, we've got trapeze people. We better have some spectacular stuff happening in here because it's the event. No, instead we could worship, sing. You could be sitting writing notes, but I'm preparing you to live from Monday to Saturday. That's God's calling on my life. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, look with me here. He appointed some to be apostles, others to be prophets, others to be evangelists, others to be pastors and teachers. Why did he do it? It tells us he did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service in order to build up the body of Christ. I'm not employed to do the work. I'm employed to get you to do the work. So when you come to church, you become a member, a partner, and you become a volunteer. In that way, you fulfill God's plan, and we prepare you 
through volunteer nights, through teaching, and through equipping. On a Sunday, you come to church, and I'm here to prepare you so that when you go home and you go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got something that you know you need to do to live out to be successful. See, too many people are looking for a Sunday breakthrough. I'm here to teach you how to have a weekday breakthrough. People say the word breakthrough, Pastor Andre, that's, that's like, it's like miraculous. No, it's not actually. The word breakthrough comes from the word breaking, the term breaking forth. And they say it usually applies to water that comes out of a geezer, not the geezer in your ceiling, the geezer under the earth. Breakthrough, you say, yeah, that's what I need. I need God to do a, well, you need to remember that that water has been in there for hundreds of years and it's been traveling up and heating up for a long, long time. When it finally comes through, that's the result of years of preparation. My goal is to equip you and to prepare you so that when you go to work and you're busy with your family and your life, you, sat, you, don't, you don't even hardly notice it, but you're like a tree that's just growing stronger and you're breaking rocks. How many of you would like to be a little bit of water or a tree that grows through rock? That's what church prepares you to do. That's why you mustn't come in frequently looking for a feeling. You come looking for his presence, but you come looking, what am I going to be prepared for? That's why you can't miss church. Oh, I haven't been for a while. I feel like I need to go. No, you need to be prepared and you need to be walking with Jesus lest your light go out because it's very dark out there. Can you say amen? amen? Number five, the fifth power of preparation is this. God develops us through seasons of preparation. If you're going through a difficult time, it could be a season of preparation. You say, what's going on? Why am I going through such hardship? It could be God preparing you for something big. But you're impatient. How many of you know Joseph, when he was growing up, God gave him dreams, but then took him through seasons of preparation. Why? Because he was a spoiled brat. Daddy's boy. He got the Versace coat. <laughs> the others got their clothes from pep stores. They were like, who's this oak? <laughs> and then on top of it, he tells them, hey, you oaks with the pep stores jackets on? Check me out. You're going to bow down before? God needed a season. If he was going to be prime minister, God had to remove the arrogance and about me out of him. You know why we're having trouble in politics in the world? Because it's about me. Vote for me. I'm your savior. God had to remove that from Joseph so that he would serve the people with the grain and not use the grain for his family. Just the thought it could be inspired. Maybe we should send this tape to a few political parties. I said that tongue-in-cheek, don't get upset now. Some of you are like, I wonder who he votes for. It's between me and God. Are you with me this morning? So seasons of preparation, very, very important because God takes us through stuff that develops stuff in our life. Notice even from the time we are born, and I want you to pay attention to this amazing passage of scripture, Psalm 139. Many of you have read it, but I wanna bring your attention to the words. It says, like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life 
were spread out before you. Ah, just wait, we'll keep it on the screen. Do you know that he's calling the days of his life from conception to womb? He hasn't even been born yet. But he calls them the days of his. So when the government tells you in whatever country you live in that it's okay to kill a child right up to nine months, God says it's not. Because he's been watching those days of your life for nine months. Your mother has been preparing you and God is watching. You with me? Now watch, you'll see now, he goes on to talk about his actual life. He now says in Psalm 139, the days of my life, can you see? First the stages, talking about pregnancy, the days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. God was watching in the womb and he's watching your life, but you have to prepare too to fulfill his plan. Now nonetheless, God takes us through these seasons. He did it with Joseph, didn't he? took him through season. Moses, 40 years in the desert before he could lead for 40 years. Sometimes half your life is in preparation. If you're going through hardship today, you're having challenges. It seems like when's the blessing coming? I gave it miracle offering. God says, I'm preparing you. Just be patient. Don't be impatient. David was a forgotten shepherd. He was then in the, on the run from Saul for 13. At 30, he becomes king of Israel and he leads Israel for 40 years. Nearly half his life is also in preparation. But wait, the Lord Jesus himself, the king of kings and lord of lords, spends 30 years preparing for three years of ministry. If you ask me, that's 10 for every one he functioned. And you think you can just wake up one day and make millions and be successful, and your marriage is just gonna be fantastic? No, God needs to take you through seasons of preparation, because sometimes the worst thing that happened to you was you grew up too well. That shocks you, eh? There's a politician and an actor, and a very, very interesting man. His name is uh, Kinky Friedman, and... <laughs> Poor man to be called Kinky. What's your name, Kinky? <laughs> Kinky Friedman is his name. He's a singer and politician. He says this, a happy childhood is the worst possible preparation for life. And you see, sometimes things take time. And when they don't come, we get impatient. You need to bear in mind, even some of the great actors that we know, the late uh, um, Alan Rickman, British actor. Most people know his face, but, but this man was not famous up, right up to the age of 42. He used to dress other actors, but then he got the part of uh, Professor Severus Snape in Harry Potter. Everybody knows him now. You see, it takes time of preparation. Then what about Morgan Freeman? Everybody knows Morgan Freeman, one of the most famous faces on the planet, a brilliant actor, but he had to wait until he was 52 to become famous in a movie called Glory in 1989. God takes you through seasons of preparation before you see great success. Are you with me this morning? Number six. Has this helped anyone? Number six. When we prepare for the worst, the worst doesn't hurt us. When we prepare for the worst, the worst doesn't hurt. How many know hurtful things will happen to you in life, but if you're prepared for them, they don't hurt as much? How many know when there's recession, if you've got money saved, 
It's terrible to go through a recession, but you're like, oh, gee, pity, but okay. Uh, when the power goes off, as it sometimes, have you noticed? <laughs> when you're prepared for the worst, you can go downstairs and switch on the generator. <laughs> and you go upstairs, mine's downstairs, under staircase, in the back of my garage in the storeroom. I can't hardly hear it. I put the TV on. Wonderful. Because I'm prepared for the worst, but the worst doesn't hurt so much. Making sense? See, some of us are not prepared for the worst. That's why the worst hurts. Oh, Pastor Ray, that's very negative. No, no, you need to be prepared because life is unpredictable. Are you with me? And we need to be prepared for things. When you're not prepared, they, they, you can be devastated. And uh, Confucius said, success depends upon previous preparation and without such preparation, there is sure to be failure. Annie Dillard, she wrote a book, interesting title, called Teaching a Stone to Talk. She won a Pulitzer Prize for it. She tells the story of the exploration in 1845 where they went to the North Pole, the John Franklin expedition. Two ships went up there to explore. And she tells of how they prepared for the trip. She said each sailing vessel carried an auxiliary steam engine. This is a three-year trip. And a 12-day supply of coal for the entire projected two or three-year voyage. Instead of additional coal, each ship made room for a 1,200-volume library, a hand organ that could play 50 tunes, china place settings for officers and men, cut glass wine goblets, and sterling silverware. The expedition carried no special clothing for the Arctic, only uniforms for Her Majesty's Navy. Well, it's not surprising that all 138 men died and the two ships disappeared. They only found them in 2014 beneath the frozen waters of the Arctic. Preparation is extremely important. And if you're not prepared for the worst, the worst will hurt. Can you say amen? When John Huss, the great uh, Czech reformer, was about to be burnt at the stake, they arrested him and they put him in prison and they told him, you're gonna be burnt at the stake. What John Huss did was, he got them to make him a fire just outside his cell. And as the fire burned, he put his hands through the bars and he got used to the flames, burning his skin and his feet so that when he eventually was put into the fire and they lit those twigs, he wouldn't cry out because he had prepared himself for the worst. Too many people are caught out. Now you can claim to be surprised the first time, the second time you're not prepared. And when you prepare for the worst, the worst doesn't hurt you. Am I making sense this morning? Gonna hand over to Pastor Devin and Kailami to pick up from here. Point number seven, church. You're probably wondering why I'm handing over and I'm keeping you on. Why doesn't he let us out? They're going home. No, 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 we've still got 10 minutes. Kailami is behind us because they paused the, the broadcast. And so if I carry on preaching at this time, they'll get out late. You'll all go, I'm happy. But they'll be like, why didn't he prepare? So, number seven, this is important. The power of preparation this morning. God has fully prepared our salvation for us. God did not do a hit and miss job on your salvation. Don't do a hit and miss job on receiving it. Are you with me? Notice in Matthew chapter 22, we can read a few short verses here. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his 
son, speaking of Jesus, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. You see, when you refuse salvation, it's not just a matter of choice or preference, like I'm going to this restaurant instead of that one. God has spent years, centuries preparing salvation, a banquet in heaven, and sent his son. When you refuse it, it's a rebuttal of love. You're rejecting love and preparation. You can't just, uh, no thanks. Notice here, Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he, that's Jesus said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. God had a body prepared when he sent Jesus. He had planned it. Then it says in Hebrews eleven sixteen. therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Heaven has been prepared. Jesus was prepared. You need to respond to that with similar preparation because the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. You see, when it comes to eternity, there is no repairing. You prepare now because one day you can't repair. It's over. The door is shut. And God prepared our salvation. But wait, one more text. You still with me? In the four gospels, there's a day called the day of preparation. And I'll take a few minutes on this. We're nearly done. John chapter 19, four times in this one chapter, this day of preparation is mentioned. I want to read to you and then I'll unpack it for you. The day of preparation, by the way, was a Friday, the day Jesus died. It says it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Then it tells you some details in verse 31. It says, now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Turn to your neighbor and say, special Sabbath. Very important. Now, how many know when the Bible repeats something, it's very important. Now watch again. It says in verse 41, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Can you see this repeating of the day of preparation? You see, the day of preparation was the day you were supposed to do all the work. You were supposed to fetch the food, make the fire, do the cooking, get the herbs ready, get the drinks ready, all the stuff for the Passover. Then on the Passover, it was a special Sabbath where you did no work. You all with me? So Jesus died on the preparation day so that every one of us can rest on the special Sabbath. You don't have to work for your salvation because he did it on preparation day. Everything was done so that we could enjoy a special Sabbath. Because when you prepare, you enter what's called rest. You don't have to work, you just enjoy. So Jesus died on preparation day and we rest on a special Sabbath showing that we can't earn our salvation because it's all been prepared for us. All we need to do is receive. Now wait, there's a principle here. Look on the screen with me, we're nearly done. The principle is this, that you need to learn about this which Jesus did. Rest always comes after adequate and careful preparing. If you wanna have peace in your life, always be prepared. Make sure your spare tire is pumped up. Make sure you've got some savings in the bank. Because then when problems come, 
you'll have rest. Isn't that true? And we as Christians, because of what God prepared, we now enter, the Bible says in Hebrews, his rest. But we've got to be prepared to receive that as a gift because we can't earn it. Am I making sense? And salvation is something God prepared, but we must also prepare by receiving it. Now, I'm going to pray with you in a moment. So you can put your pens and papers away. Have you been helped this morning? I want to tell you about a man who prepared for his death. In the United States, there was this man who said, you know what, I'm not going to be caught unprepared for my death. So he went and he bought a cemetery plot, chose the spot, planted grass, and would visit the plot every month. Go and visit, yep, this is where I'm going to be. He even mowed the grass and he put flowers there because he said, one day when I'm dead, I won't see them, I'm gonna see them now. Then he went and he chose the coffin and he looked at the coffin. The guy said, how come you're choosing your own coffin? Well, I don't want them to choose it because I'll be dead, I won't see it, I wanna see it now because this is where I'm gonna lie. So every now and again, he'd go to the funeral parlor and he'd say, you still got my coffin? He paid for it, so yeah, we'll go to jail. It's great, and feel the satin. <laughs> Off he'd go. Got his plot, mowed his thing. Got his coffin. Well, one day he invited all the family around and gave out some personal effects to nephews and nieces and then gave out his will and they all had a big meal and he said, I'm pretty much ready. Well, after the will, after the will was read and he was sitting in the lounge, he had a heart attack and he died in the chair. So everyone was shocked. And one of the relatives realized something and stood up and said these words. So far as we know, he had made every preparation for his body but none for his soul. You know, a lot, a lot of people are prepared physically for things, but are unprepared spiritually. And the parable of the virgins teaches us that we must be both naturally prepared and spiritually prepared. Because you're either preparing or repairing. And they say one day in hell there will be gnashing of teeth. Why, because God is a hard God? No, because we didn't prepare. And I wanna give you time today to prepare if you're not right with God, remember the door gets shut. If you don't know Jesus, he's giving you an opportunity now to know him, to be on fire for God and to have your life filled with his light and his presence. But a preparation time is now because one day there will be no repairing. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.